What is up, Fat Guy Forum listeners? This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get into this week's episode. A couple things. First, I am very excited that this week, two new things are happening. One, this episode features the updated Fat Guy Forum, Fat Guy 5 questions. Two, if you are a member of the Patreon, the after show starts now. So this week, going forward, will be the brand new Fat Guy Forum after show exclusive to Patreons. So if you are not signed up, Check out the link in the the notes of this episode. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that extra content involving this show. I'm excited to finally getting it launched and in your hands. So let's move forward with that. That'll be exciting. And if you're not into Patreon and you still want to support the show, don't forget we have the affiliate links in the show notes for Redmond and Kettle and Fire Broths. If you use either of those codes, that helps support us keeping the show on the air as well. So that's all, my friends. Let's get into it. And one quick note before we get to this week's guest, everybody. 2023 is rapidly approaching. And for this week only, until midnight on January 1st, all of my coaching programs, including the Keto Road Trip Group Coaching, are on sale for 20% off if you use code NEWYEAR at checkout. So check the link in the show notes. Look at those programs. You can message me if you have any questions. But remember, code NEWYEAR will save you 20% right now. And now on to the guest. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to have you with me today. Coming up on today's episode, I have a gentleman who I have been connected with for a while on the Instagrams, and we've been talking about getting him on the show, and we're finally making it happen. His name is Dan Turner. Dan, how are you doing today? I am fantastic and super, super excited to be on your show. Well, I am glad that you're here, Dan, and as we have discussed, and I will tell you that Dan sent me the most professional bio of anyone that, you know, and I think it is your professional bio uh, of anyone that I've had on the show, so I know we have a lot to talk about, man, so let's get to it. Tell me, Dan, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, I would say a long, long time being a fat guy, you know, I... um... Uh, interesting, and, and uh, we can start right at the beginning. When I was born, my toes were turned around touching my ankle. Doctors told my mom I'd never walk normal, uh, let alone do anything else. Uh, grew up as a heavy kid. Uh, grew up in poverty, deep, deep into poverty. Um, you know, welfare housing, um, slum housing, um, things like this. My parents split when I was about six years old, and um, it did end up in a happy uh, ending, seeing my dad later in life. And becoming friends with him. However, um, just growing up with with poverty, I, I grew up working at the Winnipeg Arena selling popcorn and peanuts because, quite frankly, we ran out of money uh, every month by about the nineteenth or so. And if I didn't uh, work with my brother, uh, we uh, we didn't eat. And I was probably eleven, twelve years old when I started doing that. But I got heavy as a kid, and I don't know if it's my economic surroundings or what um, picked on. You know, other kids were told they couldn't hang out with us and play with us because we were so poor. Um, in school, got picked on. I was a heavy child, very active, but heavy. And, and I'm sure now looking back, I think it was probably dietary um, because of the amount of activity. Uh, being a Canadian, played hockey all the time and stuff like that. Um, and just uh, just really grew up in a, um, in a beaten down kind of uh, life until I got to be in my, my mid-teens. I started playing hockey and I learned that I could fight. So Hockey and fighting seemed to go hand in hand. And, and once I discovered uh, this, um, even though I was a big kid, I was never making the team on my skating ability. You know, you get two shifts and, you know, one of them entailed. 
So in a game, so ever since uh, since that time, that's when the tide started to change. Um, and then I started to um, understand that I could win and uh, I didn't have to be on the butt end of all the jokes and things like that. Started getting some confidence, some respect, and um, then turned that towards uh, uh, sports. I saw sports as my way out of my economic situation. Um, you know, I was in school. I wanted to be a pro football player, play junior ball, did everything I possibly could to try to become a professional football player. Um, you know, when when uh, that didn't work out with the Canadian Football League, I uh, I had a lot of friends that or a couple of friends who were into professional wrestling. And uh, what happened was I was in really good shape back then. Um, I was probably 225 pounds uh, uh Muscular. There's pictures of me all over the internet uh, as Dirty Dan Denton, my wrestling name. You can Google those and find them. But um, <clears throat> you know, I um, I got in the fight business, and uh, it was along the lines of what UFC is now. But uh, back then, it was very rudimentary. Uh, it was tournament style, no no um, uh, weight classes. You just fought. If you won the first match, you fought again. You fought again. Um, did uh, half a dozen of those. Uh, one as a um, uh, the last one fought three times that night. It was exhausting. And I was in pro wrestling camp, and, um, you know, I got my first break with the AWA. Um, and I'd gone from being a heavy kid to just really um, focusing on uh, when I got to football and got it really started playing football at a serious level, I started focusing on eating a lot of protein, some carbs, but a lot more protein than anything else. And that really dropped the weight down. And uh, it helped me uh, move my career forward. And then, of course, when I got into wrestling, that took off and, uh, and I was off and running. We were doing, in my days, uh, during the territory days, say 320 shows a year. So that's 320 different cities a year. So you're constantly on the road, constantly in the ring. And, and I was in the gym every day doing that, no matter how banged up or hurt or hungover, whatever I was, I still made it to the gym. And, and, and that just sort of went on. And then you know, you finish those uh, those endeavors in life. I had a journalism background, fell back into journalism because I knew that that wouldn't last forever. I was in Mexico uh, wrestling, and I decided that uh, I was going to go back to journalism. I was still in good shape from the wrestling. Uh, went back to journalism and then, um, you know, stayed fairly consistent with my weight as a journalist, probably 240, 250. Um, and, uh, was in the gym always because of, uh, you know, just been my lifestyle forever. And, um, you know, but the longer I was in that, then, um, you know, then the, the weight starts creeping on, creeping on, creeping on. And, uh, finally you wake up one day and you find out you're like 400 and some pounds. And it's like, holy crow, where did this come from? And what are we going to do to turn it around? So so that's sort of my qualification story. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I've been on both sides of the coin and, uh, and now uh, working down off of the, the third side, I guess there is, if there is such a side on a coin and, and trying to get it moving forward. And I find it interesting because I've talked to several guys and myself who, who grew up with, it, with poorer backgrounds and kind of, you know, I know for me, I think on some levels there was this, you know, food, food became associated with, with a strong comfort thing and also a scarcity mindset. Like, do, do you, was there that influence there for you, you think when it came to food or was it that? Cause I think the other thing that I, I see a lot too, is this idea, you know, cause people are always like, how are poor people heavy? And it's like, well, 
food is not compared to other things in life. Food is relatively inexpensive. So, you know, you hear, you hear stories of when families had, you know, a little extra money, they could spend that if they spent that little extra money, you know, going out for fast food, you know, it was like a little celebration because they couldn't do, you know, the other thing, you know, couldn't afford vacations and things along those lines. Like, where do you think, like, what do you think really shaped your relationship with food? I think it was uh, just what you said. I think when you're young, so we used to get a welfare check. And, and at the end of the month when the welfare check came, that was a big night for us. Um, we got to, you know, have pizza or Chinese food or we would go <laughs> we would go out to uh, there's a there's a, um, a stores in Canada called Zellers, which in the U.S. would be like a Kmart. So the big uh, gift for us was we got to go out and just buy something minute. Now we had no car. We took the bus. And so my brothers and I, so we would go on. I remember that you could uh, at their cafeteria, I guess it was right. This is our, this was our big um, day out, but you could have like a burger and fries, excuse me, or fries and a shake. And God forbid you tried to order the burger fries and shake, because that would be a backhand right at the table. So from my mom, so that was our big escape. And then, you know, of course, having no money, I mean, if, if me or my brother went out and, and uh, we, uh, we made any money and we would also go and shovel uh, driveways in the winter and we would mow lawns, we do whatever it is. So, I mean, we'd look at our family economic situation and we got a, we got, we need food this week. So we would go out and do this. Um, you know, we had no allowance from anybody. So this is what we did. And um and just to get food back on the table. So so it was a reward back in my early childhood to have like junk food like that. And then you start making money and becoming successful. Um, and you just, you know, I, I remember when I was wrestling, we'd be on the road and it'd be nothing just to go grab a pizza here, a pizza there. But I was so active and I was in the gym so hard, it wouldn't have the effects on me that it would. And I just think lack of education and nutrition, I think that's been one of the biggest sins um, you know, and this whole government thing, like when you look at, and I hate to say it, if you want to get controversial, uh, look who backs a lot of these government agencies and how, what their genesis were, um, of how they started. It's a joke. I mean, what, what, what's been thrown to the food pyramid? I mean, you think about this stuff and this is what uneducated in my case, people were, uh, learning from and saying, yeah, you got to have all this, uh, this stuff on the food pyramid, which has been proven to be not correct. So, um, you know, I think just lack of education. And then when you, and that lack of education leads to these small victories of pizza or Chinese food or, or something along those lines. And when you're young and, and you're susceptible to these, uh, to this influence, uh, you don't know any better and they're not teaching anything in schools. So you're on your own and, and, you know, you've got a welfare mother and, and a, couple of kids that are um you know um just trying to trying to make it work on a daily basis you 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 don't you don't know any better you know you know you know your environment and uh and that's it and finally when i got educated as i got older and it's really been the last few years when i've really gotten educated to a lot of this stuff when i've started this diabetes army um, program that i've got and trying to create awareness for others that it was like a big wake-up call to me um and that all came out of my my uh Reflecting back on my wrestling days, you know, uh, my former tag team partner in Mexico, Kamala, who was in the WWF, WWE, he's, you know, worked with Hulk Hogan, all the, the big names and WrestleManias and stuff. And, and he ended up passing away from type 2 diabetes. 
and uh, in COVID had taken both his legs and stuff. And I remember sitting with him in Arena Mexico on these big uh, Mexican uh, Lucha Libre shows, and we never thought about diabetes or, or, or food or anything like that. Um, you know, but, but a direct cause of a lot of this is type two diabetes. It just comes out of a nutrition and lack thereof, right? It's, uh, it's crazy what the effects can be. And I mean, and let's, you know, you're, you and I are of similar generationalness mm-hmm. right? instead of saying we're old men. Um, <laughs> but there was no, you know, really our only, our, our only, our Google was an encyclopedia. Like yeah. there was no, you know. I remember when I was in school and it got exciting that we could access like microfilm at the library and things along those lines. Like there was no, let me pick up a phone and type something into a phone and see what that, that information is. And like, and you know, and I, and I think you're right in terms of like how education, especially when the, the food pyramid was put out there and the education around it, like there, what people relate to what that, how people related to what that information was and how it translated, I think is, is a big part of it. Like, if you if you follow the the exact food pyramid, for most people they could do okay if they actually followed what it said instead of what those you know a serving of grains being something like the bun on a hamburger from McDonald's like you know French fries like all of the way that translated like there's so much miscommunication around nutrition not just back then like cause let's be realist you know let's look at where we are now as a culture when it comes to weight and and those issues like it's not like having all the information of the world in your hand has made it any better for anyone. But there's certain factors that shape things, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And the first one, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was going to say the first inkling of, of nutrition education came to me. I was like 16 playing uh, football and two uh, guys from the, uh, the Canadian, the pro team in the city, I was in the Winnipeg group, Blue Bombers, came to our camp in the spring. And they said, and the one guy was huge. He, he was he was a monster. He's a lineman. And, you know, they, they talked to us about nutrition then. That's when I started getting dialed in on nutrition. I had no idea before that. None. And, um, and this team would be like a top-level team at that age that I was playing on. And they said the same thing. They told us all this camp, they said, you know, you guys, if you're playing at this level now, you absolutely, every one of you has the opportunity to be a professional athlete. If you're playing here now, and it's going to be up to you. And so one of the things they broke down, they broke down two things that day, or that three days we're all together. They broke down um, uh, the psychology, the mental health aspect of being a pro athlete, of what it took to get there and how to have a positive mindset. That was huge to me. And the other thing they broke down was nutrition, like start you guys are like 16 years old, start thinking 16, 17, somewhere in there. Start thinking now about nutrition and, and how it can help fuel your body um, as opposed to the way you're eating and start doing all the best things you could possibly do for you to put you in a position to win. And one day you can um, be a professional athlete. That's the first time a light bulb ever clicked on for me, um, ever. And I and literally that day I started on both those things. I started changing my mindset Uh, believing in myself that I could get out of my situation. And the other thing I started looking at was my nutrition. And I changed how I was eating to to do the very best I could for me to give me every opportunity. And one day I was at a junior camp sitting in the in the locker room or those that team's locker room. And I remember looking around the locker room going, holy crap. I remember when these guys said, you guys can do this and stuff. I was just absolutely in awe. So 
Um, really interesting. The payback I got from that, it was really, really interesting. And then, you know, after when I started, uh, when I got, um, uh, sorted out with, with getting in the fight business and then the, uh, the wrestling business, it was the same thing. I put so much focus then on diet, working out and headspace. Those three things to me were paramount in my life and, and doing everything I could again, you know, to be in that world, um, that put me in the best position to win. And that's, I've, I've basically lived the rest of my life like that. And then, you know, somewhere along the line, so that got away from me. And then when I gained all that weight, I was like, holy crap. But I made another decision just out of the blue one day to to reverse it all. So, you know, it's so, funny how life works. It No, it certainly is, man. And let's, because like when you were telling the story, you know, you said, you you know, and then you one day realized that you're 400 pounds. But you and I both know that you don't wake up 400 pounds one day. Like... Where, what was your consciousness around as you were putting weight on? Were you conscious of it? Was it more you were just living your life? Like, where was your head at, you know, during so, that time period? Yeah, so it's interesting. So, okay, so my wrestling career, I, I um, you know, I, I had a wonderful, wonderful career. I've had a, you know, I've really had a great life. And at this point, it's about giving back. And that's that's the uh, the essence of this. So what happened was... You know, I've worked on huge shows in Mexico, 22,000 people, 35,000 people. You know, when I first started, thousands of people. I've worked on uh, shows with all the biggest stars, everything else, right? Um, and I always knew, I knew that, let's say I'm going to take two weeks off from the road. Well, okay, I'm going to eat crap for a few days, but then I know how to get in shape. I always say this about pro athletes. They know how to get in the game. And even now, I train at Gold's Gym at Venice Beach here in Los Angeles. Uh, I post a lot of stuff about Gold's because I love the place. Best gym I've ever been at in the world, and there's their free plug, um, even though I'm not backed by them. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is I like it there because of the vibe, and you get a lot of pro athletes in there, and they just know how to get in the game. So I always had this in my head, right, as I'm gaining weight. Yeah, but that's no problem because I know I can bounce back in two seconds, and I can be back ready to get, you know, back on the road or back in the ring. Well, I'm – I'm in the business world now, and I uh, work for a large company. I run a multi-million dollar operation, and the pressure is immense. I can't even describe the pressure that that I have, and I, I manage a lot of people um, and things like that. But we're we're very bottom line driven, and and so with that stress and pressure, you know, start you start eating unhealthy, um, and you think, yeah, but I can just bounce back. I can just bounce back, and then one day you wake up and you say. Holy crap, you know, the pandemic had hit, right? Things have been shut down. Um, and I just realized, man, I'm not bouncing back from this. Like, I, I would try every now and again to do things. And, you know, I half-assed tried keto, right? Oh, I'll try a little keto and see how that goes. And, and look, even as I was getting heavier, I was still really, really strong in the gym. Like, I was putting up impressive numbers. But, you know, I wasn't 20 years old anymore. And then I started thinking, why am I doing this? Who am I trying to impress? Like both my collarbones are, are you know, they feel out of joint. I, I eat slow because my jaw has been broken three times, doesn't open all the way. You know, I mean, there's a million things, all these injuries and stuff. And I think, yeah, but I can still bounce back. Even with all that said, one day you realize you can't. And then I sat, literally what happened to me was I sat in my car uh, outside of my business one morning. And um, I was about to go in and I just said to myself, What's happened to me? I am going to get that that mindset back that made me a pro athlete for many years and made me really successful. 
And I'm going to tell you right here, right now, I am making a change. And it's going to suck for the first, you know, few weeks because I'm going to want to drop, you know, hundreds of pounds. And it's not going to happen, but I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going to stay 90 days and I'm going to see how it looks in 90 days. But I'm going to track everything. And um, and that's what I did. And that was the start, literally, of everything. And uh, I wanted to be a leader for yeah. my people. And something I'm curious about in that, because you had that moment, but at what point did, because we've been, we've been kind of talking about it, but I haven't really kind of talked around like the, the origin of it for you, but when did diabetes come into your life? So that was a really strange one. So I was still not nearly as heavy. I was probably about 280, 275, I guess, right? So 25 pounds up off my wrestling days, working out like a beast. Went to a doctor just to uh, to get a physical. I don't know why. I just went for a physical. I, I didn't go to docs very much. And uh, they asked me if I fasted the next day when they called me with my results. And I said, yeah. And they said, would you mind fasting again and coming back in? I did it. And that's when they told me I type 2 diabetes. And it was a shock. I was floored. My grandmother had diabetes. I started taking needles and this and this and that, you know, over the years. And, and I was like, holy crap. And then... Um, you know, even with that said, I'm like, okay, so, you know, you start taking pills and stuff. And um, I'll tell you when things really change for me. So I'm watching my diabetes. You know, I switch doctors. My doctor now is a Los Angeles Kings uh, team doctor. I've, I've always had great doctors. Even <laughs> now I go all the time. I'm, I'm like every three months with him and he's, he's wonderful and, and stuff. But um, when I started taking insulin, I gained 150 pounds off of insulin, just off of taking insulin. And, um, and I was still, I was, wasn't completely, you know, going non-carb or anything like that, but I was still being healthier. I was still eating, like I was going back to my football days, my wrestling days, eating like a lot of protein with rice and stuff like that, you know? Um, but I wasn't dialed down on the carbs. And, um, you know, so then once it started really, with the insulin and and then I just kept gaining weight off the insulin and my glucose numbers kept going up, right? You check your glucose however many times, three times a day, four times, uh, and they kept going up and they give you more insulin, right? And not necessarily my doc now, but the doc said, and, um, and that's what happened. I gained 150 pounds on insulin. And then one day, again, I said, I'm going to change this and my theory was if I could start dropping weight, I'd be, need less insulin in my body. And it proved to be true. Like even as I sit today, I haven't had insulin in four days and my numbers have been really good. And the less insulin I take, right, the easier it is for me to drop weight because insulin is obviously the hormone that tells your body to store fat. And, and that's, I mean, we go down that rabbit hole, but, but the fact of the matter is that's really what happened. So so then I started doing the deep dive into nutrition and, and like, okay, so what does real keto look like? And I started doing keto, right? And I knew, so here's the thing, right? I knew there's no way I'm going to go to 20 total carbs a day. So I started doing basically, you know, dirty keto. Let's take little baby steps and then move into the next level. Because I know me, I know I'm going to want to progress more and more as I see results. And that's what happens. So, you know, I started doing that. Then I started ratcheting down on the carbs uh, uh, every day. And I started studying like crazy. I have studied everything you can possibly study when it comes to diabetes, nutrition, carbohydrates, 
you know, I've taken courses uh, with uh, Dr. Eric Westman, um, you know, Duke University, runs a keto program there. Um, after I lost the first 80 pounds just on keto, right, in probably eight months, then I jumped into adding intermittent fasting. And I was doing a 40-hour fast on Mondays, uh, 40-hour fast on Friday, and a 22-hour fast on, on Wednesday. That was my fasting protocol. And I'd work out. And I had phenomenal workouts um, on my fasted days, just great workouts. And they weren't hard to do. And so I dropped the first 80 just doing keto. I went down 112 with the fasting and the keto combined together. And I've stayed there. Now I'm, I'm on the path to drop even more weight um, using a, using a different app. And I'll tell you all the things that I've, I've used and still use to this day. I mean, uh, the apps I'm on are carb master. Um, although now I've just switched to an app called carbon after listening to an Andrew Huberman podcast where he had, uh, Lane, uh, crap. I wrote the name down. I think it said Lane Norton. I'm trying to remember its name. Yeah. Lane Norton developed this carb, uh, I mean, a, a app called carbon and I'm using that. And that's really, really strong app. I use uh, zero, uh, for fasting. Um, and, uh, those are my, probably my big three. And uh, Gourmet, it's funny, you know, now I'm into spreading the word on, on, on all this stuff. And I've been using other apps. And there's three I use that I like so much, I ended up buying them. And then I bought a meditation app company as well. Um, but that's the, this is for where I see my future going as far as uh, uh, helping people um, get their results. And, and I always say, I, I, don't, I don't recommend apps. I recommend accountability and dopamine because that's what all these apps provide, right? Oh, for sure. And I do want to talk a little bit, you know, kind of jump back a little bit to what you talked about, you know, with gaining weight on insulin, because I think that's something that isn't, isn't well known outside of people that experience it. Because but I do think it's something where you'll see it happen a lot where people are diagnosed with type two diabetes. And the immediate assumption I think of the public who's not involved, they think, oh, well, you know, if it's it's driven by nutrition, and if that person has weight to lose, they're going to get on that insulin and the weight's going to drop off and all this is going to happen. Whereas, you know, and again, this is, I've not done research, but anecdotally, you more likely see people putting weight on with insulin. You see people. 110%. And I'm, I can't stand when people say, well, insulin doesn't make you gain weight. Really? You want to sit down and have a conversation with it? And we can go through my trackings because I'm going to show you exactly what happens when you take insulin and uh, and how it all comes uh, to to affect your body um and that's exactly what happens and here's the here's the you know uh, i don't want to get too wound up on this but but here's the problem big pharma pushes things like this when really you you i tell everybody you've got to get to the root of your issue right you've got to get to your your, your roots and figure out what's causing you to be like this so insulin's like a band-aid that you put on it. However, it's 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 a band-aid with bad intentions because it causes you to re, to retain fat. And what happens when you when you have fat, your glucose goes up, and then you take more and you take more and you take more. Right? Simple nutrition. Again, you can reverse your type two diabetes just with a nutrition program. For some, it's harder than others, but I'm going to tell you here and now. And I thought back to when I was a kid trying to get into the wrestling business, I was in a lot of hardcore gyms, you know, um, um, you know, around guys. And I remember them taking a lot of steroids. There's a lot of juice. And especially my, look, I was a pro wrestler. Uh, you know, I, I got in the business in the 80s. So I was there at the heyday of the craziness. And I mean craziness. I've seen stuff make your head spin. 
But the guys, um, I have a real funny yeah, story, story. But anyway, so guys, uh, um, the guys would take insulin along with their steroids to try to get um, bigger. And I, I thought about that like many, many years later when I started taking insulin and it started making sense to me. I was like, yeah, those guys were all taking insulin back in the day. And even now, if you go on to say, you can find Instagram or TikTok or wherever you're at, um, in some of these spaces where you've got these uh, big muscle heads and, and they'll talk about insulin and, and what it is in their protocols and stuff like that. But, but it's very real, uh, real thing in the, uh, in the bodybuilding community, you know, for these guys trying to get size, but it does, you gain weight from it. And unless you wake up one day and realize that's, that's a, that's a, you know, a, a, a boulevard of broken dreams, man, you've got to get off the insulin. That's one thing my doctor and I have been working on. I'm letting my glucose levels come up. Like I'll, like at 150, if I take a one, you should be 80 to 120, right? That's ideal. So if I see uh, I got a glucose level before I go to bed of 150, I can't take insulin because I will hit a low that night and I'll be up at 3 a.m. looking for something to have to bring my, my uh, blood sugar up. So that's a huge win for me. If I see a 150, it's a huge win. That means I'm going to take, you know, my just my pills, my glucophage and stuff. And uh, that should handle that. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably been four or five days since I've had to take any insulin as I've as I've uh, um, really, really driven down on my nutrition. Um, and, and again, I think just having these apps supporting what I'm doing and, and tracking and measuring with them is really, really helping me. But if I can do this, anybody can do this. The amount of stress I live under every day um, and as busy as my schedule is, if I can do it, that's the one thing I'd like to tell people is you can do this. You literally can do this. So uh, my doctor and I are working on this right now. And I, that's the thing. That's one of the things too, that I wanted to highlight your doctor and you are working on it because I think also, you know, and this is to anyone out there, you know, who is diagnosed type two diabetic or pre-diabetic, you know, if your doctor, because I, and I think this happens with weight loss as well when doctors are, are handling weight loss. But I see it a lot with people with type 2 diabetes where doctors, you know, doctors get jaded over time when they recommend dietary changes and people don't do it. And, you know, it's like they're banging their head against a wall. So eventually they get to the point where, yeah, it is easier just to prescribe more medication and to tell them to up the insulin and to kind of go down that path with a person. Yes. And also, like you said, driven also by kind of the industrial, you know, the the financial complex behind medicine at times. But I think, you know, if you're, if you're working with a doctor that is just talking to you about managing your, your type two diabetes, instead of talking about actually helping you with it, you know, that's, you know, that's time to think about, is this the doctor that I should be working with? You know, I have a, a good friend who was diagnosed with type two diabetes and immediately, you know, in no knew me as the keto guy, and wanted to talk about, you know, making dietary changes and the diabetic nutritionist he was working with. So he started eating kind of more of like um, a cleaned up paleo primal type diet. So instead of going from all the processed food, just trying to start cleaning up what he was eating and was starting to see better numbers. But the nutritionist would look at his food logs and scold him for not having cake and ice cream and say, you know, you can't live, you can't live your life without bread and cake and ice cream. These are things that all human beings are going to want at some point. And instead of then giving into it and going crazy, you should just have it all the time. So she, she, he left an appointment with her with the challenge of having a sweet treat every day and told me about it. And I said, so the diabetic nutritionist has told you every day to eat something sweet. 
And he's like, yes. And of course, you know, me kind of being a, a, sarca- a, a sarcastic jerk sometimes, I said, that woman is trying to kill you. You need to get away from that woman. Like, obviously she's not, but I just, it's it's insane to me that this is a situation, like you have said, can be, a big part of it should be what you're doing with your nutrition in terms of managing. And it just seems like that's not put on the table for a lot of people. So it's good for me to hear someone who's saying, I'm working with my doctor to try to get me off of insulin instead of my doctor told me that I can just take more when I want to have these things. My doctor handles pro athletes and he treats me the same way as a pro athlete. And the one thing he tells me, my job is to get you back in the game. And that's exactly, exactly why I go to him. Um, And he's very well versed in diabetes and everything else. And you know, what's funny. So, and look, when I was uh, wrestling, I was always a bad guy. I was like a, a, a bad guy on TV. I had groups picketing buildings, all kinds of craziness go on in my you wrestling career. You were a heel. Oh, total heel. <laughs> I've been stabbed on the way to the ring one night. I've had all kinds of crazy, crazy things happen to me. Um, but uh, so I'm not afraid to, to speak my mind. And I've got, you know, Instagram, I got a few thousand followers, but TikTok, I've got a lot more. And I've got a very passionate community on TikTok. And I'll have somebody ask me a question like just what you just said, and I'll flat out say, fire them. And, you know, you'll get some people, you know, coming back at me and I'll go back at them like real hard, real fast. And then what I find is my followers jump in behind me and just pummel these people. It's like I I get like kind of amused just watching it. Like, but people are too afraid to make those tough decisions. You have to, if if you're, doctors have had very few um, minutes of training in nutrition. Most doctors have had very little nutritional training, just to be clear. So um, this guy who's had, or gal, who's had very little uh, nutritional training is going to tell you that, um, you know, um, things that we're finding out now in this modern era don't work, um, that, you know, you should be following the food, the old food pyramid and stuff like that. I mean, that's insanity. Look how long it took for the American Diabetes Association to come out and say cutting carbs actually might work. They couldn't stand on the on the on the platform and say we were wrong for, you know, X amount of years. Right. And who's backing them? Let's take a deep dive into that. Right. But now they finally have come out and admitted that might help. Have they lost their minds? I mean, have they literally lost their minds? Do they not understand science? I mean, it's. It's craziness. So if you've got someone that's trying to lead you down the garden path, I don't care what their title is, blow them out. Get another one or at least get another opinion, right? It, it doesn't hurt to have that second opinion or third opinion, but make sure you're finding the right doctor and find a doctor who specializes in it. And then what are their results, right? What are their results? You have to see what these people are really, really doing um, in order to make an educated decision on this stuff. But you have to make that decision. It's life-saving. Mm-hmm. For you know, sure it is. And one of the things you, you, you talked about with that idea of, of nutritional change is that it's not always easy. And that's the thing is, like, I, I think it's different. You know, the, the, the message I think that's hard for people to get sometimes is that it may not be easy, but it's possible. And let I want to personalize this to you for a little bit and talk about, so what was it like for you to start making those nutritional changes. You know, you sat in the car that day and decided that you were going to get the mindset back of, you know, being a professional athlete. Like what were the changes that you, like what happened once you get out of the car that day? Like, where did you go from there? 
I walked in not, with determination. And, yeah, it doesn't have to be literally, but you no, know, you know what I, I mean. Yeah, I walked in with determination like no other. Like this is happening. Like just no if, ands, or buts. We're doing this. This is going to happen, and I'm not going to hear anything else about it. And I've got a really, really strong mind. I, I really do. And I just made the decision. Once I made the decision, it was done. I, I'm just doing it. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what the situation is. If I'm not getting the results I want immediately, then I'm going to change my game plan. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to track and adjust. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Science tells us when we track, we grow, right? This is science. So I'm going to track all my results. I'm going to see where I'm going. If I'm not losing enough weight um, to my liking, and I want—I don't want to be a guy that goes out and loses, you know, 100 pounds in four months, right? Because I think that's really unhealthy. It's got to be a pace that that's sustainable, um, that you can stay focused on and do. But but I made that decision. Then you know what I did is I put myself in winning situations and I surrounded myself with things I could do. So everything was locked down, right? So what am I going to do? Number one thing I'm doing on this quest is nutrition. I can change that because I can go to the grocery store and get the eat the right foods and everything else. Uh, number two was uh, the workout. So I did uh, this yoga program, DDP Yoga. He's another former pro wrestler. I'm telling you, I did that for the whole year when all the gyms were closed. I did it five days a week. I tracked it, same thing. And I had great results. So I got my, my workouts covered. I walked a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, but nutrition was my number one thing. And then I researched, I researched, I researched, I researched everything I could about your body, about keto, ketones in your body, about uh, the effect of insulin in your body, um, the, the, the drugs I was on for my diabetes in my body. And then I tracked to see how I was growing. And to this day, like I just took a really, so at Gold's, when I'm at the gym, I do a, a workout and then I do half hour to 45 minutes on the treadmill. Now, sometimes I run, I'm still over 300 pounds. So when you see a 300 pound guy running on a treadmill, it gets people's attentions. Um, but I still, I, I always say I'm, I'm the most fit slob you've ever met. Um, because, you know, I'll do a mile, mile and a half on a treadmill on a, on a, on a jog, but um, I, I walk a mile, I mean, sorry, 30 minutes to 45 minutes on the treadmill, but I always take a course on my phone while I'm doing it. And I just took one from um, um, the uh, Duke uh, lab uh, and it was on addiction. And I learned so much. It was on food addiction. I didn't think I was a food addict, but I learned so many things just taking this online course um, and it pertains to everything, whether it be drugs or alcohol, whatever. Um, it all works the same way, and it's based on dopamine and everything. I mean, I, I it was phenomenal. Um, so I learned so much with that, and I and to this day, I'm still still need to feed my mind and challenge my myself mentally as I continue this journey along its path, right? Um, and that's what I did. And then you know, the the more I noticed that that uh, I was getting results, that's when people start reaching out to you and asking asking me for help and tips and you know, what's helping them. And that really feels good when you can create that kind of awareness for people. And I always think if I can make somebody else aware, it's been a pretty good day. No, it certainly has been, man. And where do you think that drive to bring other people along with you on this journey and help them comes from? I think it comes from, um, again, just just uh, uh, coming out of my situation as a kid, you know, just the, the, the poverty and the beatdown and, and stuff like that. And I don't want other people to be in those kind of situations, to be honest. I, um, I really don't. I, um, um, and, I, and I think as many people as I can bring along, and I think, again, it gets to at this point in my life, I'm all about giving back. 
And I think if I can help one or two or three people, and I get people that reach out to me that have given up, they've completely given up and they're going to let nature take its course. And I can't tell you how many people I've walked back from the ledge. And I've had people that have had, you know, limbs amputated hit me up and saying, thank you for your inspiration and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and, and I just get in with those people and, and just try to show them the positive path of things that could be coming um, towards them if they make their own moves and their own change and things like that. So it's almost like being an agent of change. But I, I really want there's so much un education out there as far as type 2 diabetes goes and there's so many people walking around with it right now or pre-diabetics that have no idea and I think that um, you know if I can make them aware and and help them change their situations that I think that uh, um, again that's a pretty good cause to have I mean it's worked for me I've had a number of my employees come to me and change the way they live change their lifestyles and start monitoring uh, their stuff. I, I can't tell how many people I've had come in my office where I've checked their blood glucose levels who are diabetic, and I keep glucose tablets and things like that in my office. And that's the other thing. Um, you know, I, I tell people at work, you know, hey, look, I'm a type 2 diabetic, and this is what I'm doing. And it's funny, once I open up, um, because I, I it doesn't bother me, I've got a thick skin, nobody can say anything against it to me. Um, but it's funny how many people come to me privately and tell me the same thing. Hey, you know what, I'm I'm diabetic too, man, and just give them the support they might need. Look, I, I've been lucky. I've got a really, really strong mindset, but not everybody does. And if I can help somebody out who doesn't, well, who's better than me? For sure, man. And I do, I know someone listening is is probably making notes about this. I, I, I do want to put it out there that neither you nor I are doctors. So if nope. a person is working with a doctor and on, especially if someone is on medication for, and, and this really has to do with the power of nutrition, I think. If you're mm-hmm. on medication for type 2 diabetes and you're going to be making dietary changes, you know, specifically going like lower carb, things along those lines, do that in concert with your medical provider, the person who's monitoring you, like, because you can see changes happen, you know, in terms of how those medicines impact your body. And like you were talking about, like, if you take your insulin at night and you're going to bed with, with your blood sugar at 150, you're going to get, you're going to hit a low and have a problem. So like, I just want to make sure that everyone out there is doing all of these things with their eyes wide open. And that's like a big thing, like I think you're saying, with that idea of, of spreading the education and getting people to realize. Because I also think there's there's the, the person out there who sees type 2 diabetes as a permanent sentence, you know, as something that cannot be changed. And I know people who have had a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes removed from their medical records because they've made, they've made powerful changes to their health. Like, and even if you're, you're and I've also had people argue with me, you know, even if a person is, you know, using keto is the same thing as taking diabetes medication and it's, you know, they're just, the disease is in remission until they change the way they eat again. And I'm like, yeah, but if they don't change the way they eat again, the disease isn't coming back. Like, it's- That is so true. You know, and, and it's funny, I've been doing keto now for, well, I guess it's, I think I'm going on three years. I have no desire. Like, so, um, you know, you, you just need to be in the right environments um, so let me backtrack first about the doctor part. Again, I partner with my doctor. He is my partner in my journey. And what I do to myself, I call diahacking. And I stole that from uh, Dave Asprey with his biohacking his body. Uh, and I'm a big, big uh, fan of Bulletproof Coffee in the morning. As a matter of fact, I fast uh, basically every day and have that in the morning. And it's helped me a lot too. But but the fact is, I, I call it diahacking because I've experimented a lot on myself these things work for me. However, if it's working for me, it might work for you, 
but you need to constantly be in touch with your doctor and partnering with your doctor, but you've got to have the right doctor too. If your doctor has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to type 2 diabetes, nutrition, and things like that, then just go find one that, that does, and your life will change like almost instantly. I'm going to tell you that. And don't be afraid to make a change. Just because you've had the same doctor for 20 years doesn't mean you can't have a new one. I mean, it just it's the, the fact of life. I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's it's funny and it's funny when people start becoming aware of what's what's possible. I just had somebody reach out to me on Instagram the other day and telling me I think he's lost 40 or 60 pounds and his diabetes his type 2 diabetes uh his numbers are way way better and he knew nothing about it until he started started following uh, one of my I think it's my Instagram account or my TikTok account but um and he's like he's so positive when I hear stuff like that it just fuels me too, you know, it really does. It it's like yeah, I've, I, it's not like I have any skin in this game as far as uh, monetary. I mean, uh, you know, even my my sit ups and crunches app. I think I I, I think there's a three dollar a month uh, fee on that or something like that. It's it's so ridiculously low. It's 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 comedy. But the fact of the matter is, it's not like I'm doing this to uh, to uh, survive on. I just want to spread the word and let people know there's hope. You can do it. If I can do it, then other people can do it for sure. Especially under my circumstances. You know, it's a, I'm not 20 years old. Uh, <clears throat> I've been around a few blocks, you know, so, you know, it's what it is. But, you know, this gets back to what you're doing, Gormy, with the podcast like this and, and you know, and, and other podcasts that are out there where you can learn so much. And it, it, I think that the root of all of this is education. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to get smarter and you've got to be curious about your body and what's happening. And the, the real problem with type 2 diabetes is uh, they call it the silent killer. Like, uh, you just don't know. There's a referee that was in Canada. Uh, matter of fact, the night I got stabbed, I got stabbed walking to a ring one night. I was doing a cage match, um, a big arena. So I'm walking out, and my tag team partner was standing on the edge of the ring. And um, as I was walking out, a lady jumped out of the stands and stabbed me in the back with a pen. I could feel burning, but he jumped over me and kicked kicked her because the police that were walking me out or the security they were like as big of fans as the fans were, so they were oblivious to it. And he and he was telling me that I'd been stabbed. Anyways, the ref that night, and I still wrestled in the cage. The ref that night, um, and and when I won the uh, Canadian heavyweight title uh, belt, um, he was a referee. And I always requested that he do my matches when I was in Canada. Great guy. But there's a guy had type two diabetes, right? Stopped taking his meds, and during COVID, lost one leg when he went in to get the leg amputated. Had the other leg amputated and ended up uh, passing away with the COVID and the amputations. And because of the type 2 diabetes, and I would beg him on the phone. I talked to him every now and again. I'm like, brother, you've got to be taking your meds. Yeah, but I feel good. I go, I know, but it sneaks up on you. And that's the problem with this disease. You don't understand that it catches. And you don't have to be a big, heavy guy. I mean, it, it hits a lot of different people a lot of different ways. That's the other fallacy about this, that it's only for, for big, heavy people. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's not true. And that's, and it goes right back to that idea that education and knowledge is power. And, you know, yeah. I love that that's the message that you're, you're sending out there to people, because I honestly even think there are probably people listening who have not ever realized that if you're feeling not heard by your doctor, you can talk to another doctor. You know, that blows people's minds sometimes where, you know, they talk about their frustrations with their medical provider. And I'm like, you have the right to see another doctor. You know, remember that at the end of the day, you're paying the doctor. And it doesn't mean you can 
you can dictate to them exactly what they do because obviously they have their you know morals and ethics and everything that they're following but if you feel like you're not being heard and that they're not listening to what you need and being responsive to what you need ask to t- you know look for another doctor reach out to your you know if you're in network with with your health insurance look for another doctor look for someone that specializes in what you're dealing with like but really like educating yourself cuz like you said you know diabetes is a silent killer i think in a lot of ways a lot of these issues also are just we're passive consumers of our health you know we're very much like oh okay tell me to take this i'll take that tell me to do this i'll take that you know this the sheer number of people out there dealing with a multitude of health issues that have never once even googled the medicine that they've been prescribed just to understand what it's doing and the purpose of it like and i understand we live busy, stressful lives. But if you're putting something into your body, it's good to know what it is. You know, the same way it is good to know with food, like empowering yourself to understand that the food choices you make, you know, are very important and that you can learn, you can learn to approach things differently. But when no one's ever told you that you can do any of those things, you might not know that you can. So it's good to have voices out there like yours saying, hey, you know, you can educate yourself on this. Here are things you can look at. Here are things you can do. You know, these are paths that you can take. You're not stuck in one box for the rest of your life. Like there are powerful changes that you can make. You just have to take the steps to move towards them. Because you're right. You said this earlier. You know, you can offer a person all the help you want. Like I, you know, I work with coaching clients. I can offer them all of the information, the plans, the accountability, all of those things, but if they're not willing to be an active participant, nothing's going to change for them. Yeah, I, I, I've helped a lot of people too that that have reached out to me, just coach them for free, right? And and they've gotten results. They've actually lost weight. I actually I got a guy who used to be uh, um, he used to wrestle uh, uh, with me, and uh, you know he reached out. We finally got in contact again. Um, he was uh, four hundred and some pounds uh, when he reached out to me. And he was bedridden. He was in a, an assisted living home with a bedpan. Um, and uh, I've worked with this guy hard, and he's lost a hundred and um, holy crap, where's he at? Like down one sixty five, one eighty. Um, he was walking with a walker when he did get out of bed. No more walker. Twelve to fourteen thousand steps a day. Um, just, just believing in himself again. Um, shaking his head, moving forward, helping him with his uh, diet and and uh, and fasting protocols, and he's got doctors there that check him constantly. Um, but complete turnaround. So again, you if I'm not an example, if if somebody uh, like this guy's not an example, and this is this is all natural. This isn't you know with any kind of operations or anything. This is just getting busy and getting it done. Um, there's two good examples of of, of of folks that that are right in front of you, and you know on your podcast. You've had so many people and, and um, you know, I've become friends uh, online with some of your guests, you know, uh, Jarps, my wrestling buddy Jarps. Uh, and uh, and uh, I've had, you know, conversations with a lot of guys in your podcast um, that uh, that are really interesting people that, that have done it one way or another. They've, they've taken control of their lives and, and they've moved it forward. And that's really what it's about, right? Educate yourself, take control. And you know what you know what you get in life? You get what you will accept. That's really, really a true statement. You'll get what you accept. And I always tell people, look, if you don't take that first step, nobody's coming to your door, knocking on your door, taking you by the hand, say, hey, let's go get healthy. Nobody's doing that. 
So let's stop the fantasy camp and let's get off our butts and let's take that first step forward and let's take that second step forward and let's just do it one step at a time, right? You know, how do, how do doctors get people out of, out of depression, right? They have them little victories, little tiny victories, one at a time, right? And just the littlest, littlest thing. I mean, it could be any, it could be, you know, they, they talk a lot with Navy SEALs about one of the first things they do is they teach them to get out of bed and make your bed, right? They Check that box. There's, there's one accomplishment for the day. It's the same with a health journey, right? Just do the little things. Start with one little thing, then go to another and another and another. Build on them, get that momentum, and see yourself winning. Once you start winning, it becomes infectious. It's one of the most beautiful things you can ever imagine. But if you don't take that first step to start, you never, ever will start. Nobody's going to hug you and drag you forward. Nobody is because you've got to be able to walk on your own two feet. But just get little victories. Get one small victory, then get another one, another one, another one. The next week, the next week, the next week. And that's exactly what I did with, with my weight loss. Man, I, that was tough. It was a tough conversation I had to have with myself, right? But nobody was going to do that for me. If I didn't get out of that car that day and go kick my own ass, it wasn't happening. And, and I, just, I just refused to accept any longer the situation I was in. Absolutely 110% refused to accept that situation. And um, now I, I, and I treat everything else. I'm like, I wouldn't treat my business like this, right? There's no way. And, um, you know, it's the same now in the gym. I'm, I just won't accept the feet. I just, you know, I'm just my diet, whatever it is. No, I'm not going to do it. We just had a massive Christmas party. There was cakes and everything. And, um, and I didn't eat. I actually fasted through it and went and got something to eat later in the day and went to the gym that night. And I felt like a million bucks. So there you go. There you go, man. Well, Dan, speaking kind of all of victories and wins and things along those lines, personally, what are are the biggest challenges you're facing right now? Um, the biggest challenges I'm facing right now? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I feel that, um, you know, the biggest challenges I'm facing right now is uh, now I'm ratcheting down. So, you know, I've got my workouts down at over at Gold's. I've got a cold plunge in my house. I, I, there's so many great benefits to the cold plunge, and I think you and I have uh, mess each other about them, but I love my cold plunge. So on the physical side, it's great. So what I'm trying to do now is I have stayed the same weight for, I don't know, it's been, you know, I'd say a year and a half. And now I want to take that next step and drop even more weight. So again, you know, I was listening between the people you have in your podcast. Uh, you know, I, I told you it's uh, your podcast um, and Huberman's uh, Andrew Huberman, the neuroscientist from uh, Stanford, he does a lot of health stuff on his with the science of health. So between you two, uh, pod, your two podcasts, uh, I'm gleaming what I can uh, from that and doing my own research, taking these prog- uh, these uh, courses and stuff. Um, and I'm trying to kickstart my weight loss again and take that next journey down. So I've started using the Carbon app, um, you know, really ratcheting down. I'm uh, My fasting's on track. My uh, my nutrition is on track, so I'm looking forward to dropping um, more weight off of this uh, off of this program that I'm on now, and that's going to be my biggest biggest challenge. Uh, that's part one, and part two. Quite frankly, I want to get into the inner city. I live in Los Angeles. I want to get into the inner city um, and do way more speaking than I'm doing right now, um, and educate a lot more people um, that might not have access um to uh to the kind of things that 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 i've had access to 
and start spreading the word to people um, that might not even be thinking about this and getting the word out for the coming year. That's a big challenge to me right now. And uh, when I look at next year's plans, that's that's near the top of my list is uh, is getting out and educating more people on what we have and uh, and uh, what we have in front of us available to us so we can change some lives. So those two things I'd say are my two top uh, priorities for the coming year. Well, I think they both sound like great priorities, man. You know what I like? They reflect this this message that you've had of not only working on yourself, but you know, extending that beyond yourself. And, you know, so I think that that's a really positive. And of, of course, my words are failing me at the moment. But I, I think there's an altruisticness to that that I, I think is really fantastic. So I, I appreciate knowing you're out there doing that for people. And Dan, I also feel like we could probably we could probably go on for four or five hours, but I want to be conscious of of your time. <laughs> and, you know, because I, I feel like there's so many avenues of, of things that we haven't even, you know, been able to dive into even just we'll in your, your history path. So we're definitely going to have to do another episode <laughs> with you, man. But yeah. I do, before we move, before we get into kind of the wrap up portion of the podcast, I, I want to put it out there. Like if there's someone out there listening who, you know, because I, I do think, you know, I want to reiterate what you said, you know, because I think sometimes, especially when on this show, because it is the fat guy forum, when we talk about type two diabetes, people go right to that place of, well, type two diabetes is just a, a disease of weight. And it really isn't at the end of the day, you know, there are people that are probably clinically underweight that have type 2 diabetes and deal with these issues. Like, But I, I want to know, just Dan, from your perspective, like, if there's someone out there listening to this podcast that maybe is afraid of you know, facing a diagnosis or has a diagnosis and kind of in that place of feeling trapped about making change or is dealing with a weight issue and, and just feels like they're in that starting place, like, what is, what is the message you want to give to those people? Does that make sense? Well, Yes, absolutely, 110%. So here's the message, right? So you get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and I ask this a lot to people, like, what was your, your first thoughts? And mine was total shock. I'm, how can that happen to me? I've been a pro athlete. I've been in front of, you know, thousands of people and in, in, in great shape and stuff like that. Um, but it was about taking control of my own life and knowing that, yes, this could be a death sentence. I just described two two of my friends, Kamala and and Gary Allen, the referee up in Canada, that, that both let this get the best of them. Um, however, it can be the opposite end, too. And um, and I think I'm proving that out. Um, you know, a lot of people say you can't reverse type 2 diabetes. That's, that's BS. Yes, you can. And I think that uh, it's taking control of your own life. And it's getting yourself the support you need. Now, by that, I mean... If you're in the online community, um, then then get around people who are very supportive, positive, and uh, want to help you move forward. Don't be afraid to reach uh, reach out to people. I mean, I'm super easy to find. Diabetes Army on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, I've got a YouTube uh, page I just really started, um, and uh, a YouTube channel I just really started, um, and I'm I'm uh, excited about that. But uh, Mostly Instagram and TikTok. I, I put the most posts on, on, on Instagram. I answer everybody, absolutely everybody I answer back. Um, and you'll see people that, that, um, that, I, that, I, that I'll promote. Like this, this podcast is a great one. Kuberman's podcast is a great one. Um, there's lots of pages out there. There's lots of great information out there. Dr. Boz is another good one. Um, this lady does a lot of good in the uh, keto community, the, the type 2 diabetes community. There's so many great resources available 
but it's up to you to take that first step to find them. So can it be a death sentence? 110%. You've got to be very clear and sober about that. If you don't take action, it will get the best of you. However, you can go on the winning path too and, and, and dump this, this brutal disease and turn it around and you have the power to do it. And it's not as hard, I don't think, as people think, because you've just got to set your mind that, hey, I'm going to do this. So I'm not saying it's easy, not by any stretch of the imagination. Don't, don't uh, misinterpret what I just said. However, it is beatable. There's a lot of diseases out there that aren't, and you've got to put everything in perspective that this is one that, that it is available uh, for you to, to take action on and reverse. For sure it is, man. I love you saying that and appreciate it. And I hope the people listening are going to appreciate that too. And you've mentioned it a couple of times, but can you let people know where are the handles they can find you at on social media? Yeah, I'm again, I'm, I'm really easy. It's uh, diabetes army. Um, all one word on TikTok, on Instagram. Um, I've got a Facebook page, but, but Instagram is probably where I post the most. The TikTok page, I've got a lot of very passionate followers on um, I've had a lot of fun with TikTok. Um, I really have. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just DM me. I, I, I answer everybody back. I've got a great accountability app. It's working on uh, building your core. I'm developing an app that I will let everybody know about that's going to be dealing with diabetes. And I can't wait for that. I'm working with my developer right now, but my, my app is this awesome. sit up and crunches app. And um, and I've got uh, some more stuff that's coming out. This is going to be a really interesting year this year. So, But I will answer you back if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, any comments. And look, we don't have to agree. I'm good with that. I'm really good with that. I just like the spirit of a conversation. That's all. Well, that's clear if you're, if you're living on TikTok that you, you enjoy a spirited conversation Cause it, cause it, because if anyone finds the, the comment section on Instagram challenging, Go look at the comments on any, especially in the health and fitness space on TikTok. Well, Go there. and I'm the worst. I mean, I've asked people, I'm sorry, I didn't see you in the rocket building class where you're near the front. Mm. And oh, my gosh, I shouldn't say stuff like that. But I just, you know, I've been a heel my whole life. Right. right? <laughs> same thing. I, I, you know, when I was getting my doctorate, were we in the same class together? Because I didn't see you sitting next to me, you know. And then I don't even get another barb out before my followers just jump on and attack. It's, it's, uh. So I have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> I bet you do, man. I bet you do. And yeah. speaking of fun, it is time for your run through the Fat Guy Five, the five questions I end ah, every podcast go. with. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay, here we go, man. Question number one. I'm excited for your answer to this one. Tell us, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Well, I mean, there's so, so many great ones, um, that, but everybody's all, all said them. So uh, here's one for my wrestling fans, and I know uh, you and Jarps will probably pop on this one. What about Jerry Blackwell mm-hmm. from the AWA? There you go. That's- so my first, my first, I'm working for the AWA. I come in the dressing room after my match. I work with Scott Hall, went on to become Razor Ramon. This is two, two second story. So I come in. I'm super pumped up. I'm super excited. I come in the dressing room. We're in a big NHL arena. I come in the dressing room. There's a whole garbage can of sodas, and there's a couple of beer, right? I want a soda, so I go to take a soda. The whole dressing room explodes. No, no, no. Those are Blackwells. Don't touch them. Uh, <laughs> a whole garbage can full of sodas. 
Anyways, all right. There yeah, you go. no, that's I like it. it. I like it, man. That's awesome. There's some there's some old school trivia for all you wrestling fans. Yeah, it's gonna that one is definitely for the wrestling fans. I like it, man. Question number two, Dan. Tell us something about yourself that you love. Um, it's really funny for a guy who made a living in a steel cage many many nights. I love uh, reading. I read a lot. I, a good night to me is really being super geeky and going to Barnes and Nobles by myself and sitting there for two, three hours. I love it. Question number Cold three. Geek. Oh, there you go, man. Question number three. On this health and, and, and fitness journey you've been on, man, what is the most important new habit that you developed? A new habit I have developed it's probably rediscovering an old habit mm-hmm. of constant learning and challenging myself mentally. Um, really, I, I need to work on my mind as much as I need to work on my nutrition and my body. So I count my mind as a muscle and I want to be always, always growing it and staying sharp as I possibly can with it. There you go. Question number four, Dan. Tell us, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? And I'm going to include health, fitness, weight loss, education related in terms of what you already shared with us as one of your goals. So what is the goal you have for the next year that's not related to any of that? Um, could it be from a business perspective? Sure, 100%. Um, I, um, I have this, uh, well, it, it's sort of, but unfortunately, it does go around the the wellness space but just developing a lot like my, just expanding my my business side of this uh, wellness i mean i'm really looking forward to uh, uh to growing i've got a brand called uh, rebuilt human um and um you know just expanding that which will bring everything under one umbrella i'm buying companies uh, i've bought uh, three app companies i've bought a meditation company and i'm looking forward to making uh, further purchases on the online space of, of, uh, of companies that I think that, uh, that can fit into uh, my portfolio and growing them in the coming year. There you go, man. I like it. And last question for you on this, at this part of the podcast, Dan, you told us about that day you were sitting in your car and you kind of made that determination that you were, you were coming back from everything that's been going on. What is something, if you could go back in time to that day, what is something you would tell yourself if you were sitting there beside yourself in the car? Um, something I could tell myself that day. That's a great question. Um, well, I told myself already, you're going to win. You're absolutely, I said three words. Um, actually four. Effort, let's go. Um, so if I could have told myself something that day, that this is going to lead to a lot more than just my personal health and fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that goes back to what I just answered about the, the growing company I've got and purchasing these, uh, these online companies and stuff like that. This is going to be way bigger than me is, is what I would have told myself. I like it, man. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me today. Dan and I are going to be going on over to the Patreon after show right after this wraps up. But I just on the on the main program, I want to I want to say a big thanks, man. No problem. And listen, for those of you who are thinking about coming to the after show, first of all, I highly recommend it. I've got a great Ric Flair story 
that I'll tell on the after show. So if you want to hear a story about the nature boy, uh, come on over and we'll talk about anything else that Gormy wants to talk about. I like it. I was actually going to ask you to tell a story when you're over there. So I like you. <laughs> I like you doing the tease. I, I appreciate it. So, hey, everybody, make sure you connect in the show notes. Today is going to be the information for you to connect with Dan. Make sure you're doing that. If you want to connect with me, you can, of course, find me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto. On Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. You can keep up with everything I'm doing coaching-wise at theketoroad.com, of course. And actually, there's a couple things going on with coaching that I'm going to – you heard at the open of the episode. So rewind and listen to those yeah, to make sure you have all that information because we got some big stuff going on right now. So anyway, everyone, after all that, take a deep breath because you're probably going to need to after all that running around, then go out and do something to amaze yourself today because you're the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.